Hi, this is Mike Bursell, voice of the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover and Living with the Land. Welcome to a voyage of discovery and awareness of the richness, the diversity, and the often surprising nature of the Mickey Dudes podcast. And now, from the Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, it's the Mickey Dudes Podcast. Here's your master of ceremonies, Wazowski. Hello, humans! Hello, humans, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Mickey Dudes Podcast. I am your host, Pat Genetti, joined tonight by a colorful cast of characters. From all the way across the pond, Stephen Maxwell. I'm surrounded by idiots. I agree 100%, especially this guy. I mean, wait, nope. I meant from Houston, Texas, Jess, Jeff Williams. You can call me Jess or just Jeff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Flash photography, I wouldn't. alters the homing signal, and that's not good, except for it's, Jess. Right. It's great when I'm making fun of Jeff about being an idiot and I say the wrong name. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's basically <laughs> how this show is going to go. <laughs> and from Jersey or Daytona or Virginia or wherever the heck he wants to be from at this moment in time, Joe Quattrochi. It's I'm coming from the Commonwealth of Virginia tonight, but uh, hello, Pat. How are you tonight? Oh, wonderful. See, I like how you say the Commonwealth. It makes it sound so much better than it is. So there is, real quick, there's a guy in my office who lives in the quote-unquote district, and he says, do you live in the state, the district, or the Commonwealth? Referring to Maryland, Virginia, or D.C. I was like, okay, never heard that referred to like that before, but interesting. That's like sounds a new type of British. And it sounds very British, the Commonwealth. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we, we, we did come from you guys. So why, why do we got to bring that up? Why do we, we, we could, no, we didn't. Whatever. By the way, by the way, this comes up every episode I'm on. <laughs> well, one of these kids is doing his own thing. One of the, no, no, you definitely belong. So I won't say that, but at the same point in time, that's just what we do. All right. So speaking of what we do and what we have done and what people do for us, Hey, Why don't we get a word from our sponsors? Whether it's the first sip of French roast at your Disney resort or the grand finale of a signature dining experience at a restaurant like Le Cellier, Chico, or the California Grill, Joffrey's coffees make Disney memories more magical. Why not savor that Disney vacation just a little bit longer while enjoying a cup of Joffrey's in the comfort of your own home? Visit Joffrey's, the official coffee and tea company of Disney, online today at joffreys.com joffreys coffee and tea a flavor for every disney memory who has the largest selections of dvc resale listings and is the number one dvc reseller in the world who has 90 percent of their listings sell within 30 days with no upfront fees who has 95 years of combined disney vacation club experience and has been selling dvc since 1993 who has over $360 million in sales of DVC? The answer, my friends, is the same for every single question. It's DVC Resale Market. If you're in the market for buying Disney Vacation Club or have any questions about DVC, then look no further than DVC Resale Market. Nick, Kevin, and the whole team will do their very best to get you exactly what you need and answer any questions that you might have. Take a look at their website for some great information, their latest listings, or just some FAQs. We would like to thank DVC Resale Market for being part of our team 
And now it's your turn. Let them be part of your team when buying DVC. Check them out at DVCresaleMarket.com. Man, that guy's voice is sexy. That's all I'm going to say. You guys don't have to agree with me. I don't really care. I love it, that guy. Is it awkward that I have a track of that that plays in the background when I go to bed every night that puts me um, sleep? Is that weird? No, not, not weird at all. Um, Did I just say I, that out loud? Yeah, um, yeah. So sometimes the thoughts that are in your head, they're not supposed to come out, Joe. I'm just saying. What happens in the Commonwealth stays in the Commonwealth. Uh, I got a lot to learn, <laughs> Jeff. Oh, my goodness. No, that's Jess, not Jeff. Come on now. Uh, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get on to tonight's topic. One of our favorite episodes that we do all the time is a snack crawl. We are going to do one tonight for the Ep- the International Epcot Food and Flower Wine and Ses- Festival. What, what is it again? <laughs> there's flowers and I think there's gardens. Oh, yes, I forgot. I, there's so many festivals going on around during this time, <laughs> you know, throughout the year. I always forget, so I just it's much easier just to go and say, Hey, let's combine them all. It's just, you know, a lot easier. But no, it's the International Flower and Garden Festival. So we're going to do a snap crawl with that. So with that being said, let's do a little Flower and Garden by the numbers. It began in 1994 as a 38-day celebration. <clears throat> a lot shorter back in the day. It is actually the longest-running festival that they have in Epcot. This year it is from March 4th. Okay, through June, oh man, I lost my number. June 1st, I knew it was June 1st, jeez Louise. <laughs> it is the 27th, it is the 27th rendition of this wonderful festival. There are this year 23 topiaries um, and 16 outdoor kitchens. It takes a full year and over 400 Walt Disney World horticulturists to prepare for this 90-day festival so gentlemen what do we think just get our you know our thoughts out first about the epcot international flower and garden festival where does it rank amongst your favorites of the festivals that they have over at epcot jeff we'll start with you uh well okay um it's incidentally i think it's last place now to be honest with you (laughs) and that's not it, that's not a like distant last. It's like barely last, my, like a like a photo finish kind of thing. But um, it it didn't even used to have the food booths back in the day when I used to go at spring break. Um, so it's kind of cool they introduced those. So because it used to be that was the only uh, festival we were able to attend because of a school and, and such. So things have opened up for us uh, on time wise. So I've been to all the festivals and. Uh, this one is cool and all, but uh, I just feel like uh, it's kind of like on autopilot from the other ones a little bit, but uh, that's just my opinion. Okay, so there's always that statement where opinions can't be wrong because they're not factual. In this case, your opinion is wrong. Steven, <laughs> what do you think? Where where do these festivals fall for you? I know you're not always out here for all of them. It's very difficult from coming from where you are over in Scotland. But, you know, looking at the festivals, some that you've been to, some that you haven't been to, where would you rank the International Flower and Garden Festival? I'd have to probably put it as second. Uh, I think food and wine obviously takes a, the biscuit, being the, the best one. But as Jeff was saying, it's just roll into one another. You know, we were at Flower and Garden last year. 
That was the first time I'd attended that. And I don't think it was as sort of heavy in the food. Obviously, it's food and white, as as the words would actually say that. But it is, it is good. I mean, the topiaries are good. Uh, but not being to, like, Festival of the Arts or, or the Christmas ones, I've, I don't... I don't put them in any sort of coherent numbers. So it would have to be a second for me for the only ones that I've actually done. But I, I do like it. You know, it, it is different. It, you know, it's a wee bit more, I would say more summer foods rather than uh, the, the food and wine, especially obviously with the, the stuff to do with the honey and the bees and stuff. So as your opening line goes so far, I'm surrounded by idiots. Your opinion is also wrong. <laughs> Joe, let's see if you actually could have the right opinion on this one. But, you know, I'm not trying to sway you in any way, shape, or form, right? But please, let, where where would you rank the Flower and Garden Fest? So I'm not easily swayed. However, um, I'm a little different. Uh, I believe that back in the day, yes, food and wine, to me, was the best. However, it's so drawn out now. It's Essentially, it's watered down. Um, I actually like... Flower and Garden, I put this at the top of my list for a couple of reasons. Number one, growing up going to Walt Disney World, I felt like the resorts, the property itself, the parks, I felt like there was a lot more topiaries and a lot more, they spent a lot more time on the the landscaping that, and like that you don't really see around the resorts as much anymore. And granted, it's very pretty, but you don't see like that, those special shapes. Like I look at a lot of old photos that my family took, you know, since I moved a few times recently. And I feel like that the resorts and the property had a lot of that and you don't really see that much anymore. I feel like flower and garden will, it gives that to you. They come up not only with the, the really strange, you know, like, like figment as is a bush or Peter Pan on top of the building. I just think that's really cool. Um, also, too, is flower and garden something that, you know, I can enjoy with my in-laws. My mother-in-law loves gardening. My mom loves gardening. And when they go, they love to actually look at the plants themselves. So I feel like I could share that a lot more with other family members that don't normally attend Disney World with me. Flower and garden, it's, I mean, uh, food and wine's great. It's a lot of drinking, a lot of eating. But this is like a specific thing that if you bring somebody normally doesn't come all the time, like, yo, check this out. This is really cool. Um so that's where I, I read it. I just feel like the food booths are a little watered down. Yes, they're still fun. And don't get me wrong, I love, you know, Food and Wine Festival. And it's great that they added those to Flower and Garden. But I think that Flower and Garden gives that, just kind of like Festival of the Arts does for that festival itself. It gives you that unique, you know, uniqueness of it. It's not just food and booze. Um, but I like the horticulture. I like the topiary. So for me, and there's nothing better than a nice, beautiful spring day in Central Florida before it gets really hot. So you combine that with, you know, the, the days stay later, like the lights out later. It's just an awesome time of year. So I'm going to go with uh, Flower and Garden for me. It's the top of the list. Now, Joe, I'm not saying I swayed you in any way, shape, or form, but you are correct. You do Thank have. <laughs> your, your opinion counts and the other guys don't. I agree with you 100%. This is actually my number one. Um, festival out of all of them as well. And Joe, you brought up a really good point that I was actually going to touch on. I still remember in the 80s when I was there as a kid staying at the Disney Inn and going over to the Polynesian and getting onto the monorail. And I remember going over to Epcot and I remember seeing really for the first time um, the Disney horticulturists really like shaping bushes and things of that nature. One looked like an elephant, one looked like something else. And it was like mind blowing to me. I loved it. So there's a nostalgia feel um, exactly what you were saying when you see the topiaries 
um, with the, you know, Flower and Garden Festival. I love the booths and things of that nature, but I really, I do. I think the topiaries bring such a nice touch to it. I still really remember when I was a kid coming back from that Disney trip, I, you know, I took the hedge clippers out and I was in the front yard thinking I could do something. Yeah, my dad wasn't very happy with me because um, <laughs> that bush didn't, that bush did not look like an elephant. So I'm just gonna put it that uh -huh. way. It was it was god awful and it um, never grew back. Yeah, pretty much. I pretty <laughs> I pretty much killed it. So, but you know, whatever. I was trying to be cool like them, but it's you know I'm not. Just wasn't. But anyway. So we're going to go on to our snack crawl. Um, we are not going to do anything with um, budgets. You guys can spend all the money you want, but the rules are very simple. You're going to go to one of the 16 outdoor kitchens. Um, you can go multiple times. You can do whatever you want. This is really laid back. We're going to pick three things. And then our last thing, we will obviously um, go, to, uh, go to and get a Joffrey's um, beverage as well. So pretty simple, um, just like we normally do it. But again, no budget. Have fun. Go nuts. Sound good? Absolutely. Yep. All right, Stephen, we're going to start with you. Where are you going right away? Woohoo! Right, I'm going to go to Magnolia Terrace. I don't know where any of these booths are, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to have Southern Seafood Boil, uh, which is shrimp, mussels, crawfish, potatoes, corn, and andouille sausage. Uh, I saw one of the other bloggers doing this uh, during the week uh, at their first uh, media event and this just looks great. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we don't get this uh, stuff over here where uh, it's just a whole lot of seafood just in a, a bowl, you know, and like a soup with a big bit of corn stuck in the middle of it. I mean, it just looks great. I mean, I love seafood anyway, but if you have something like that, they could just actually put it in a, a big sort of vat and then just sort of Spoon it into a big bowl. Fantastic. When I mean, you're sitting, a lot of folk don't like seafood, but I think even passing by there and smelling like the crawfish, uh, it'd just be, it'd just be lovely. You know, uh, it's just a heartwarming sort of meal for. I, I would, yeah, I would probably say for dinner. Maybe not for, maybe not for lunch, but. It just looked that colourful, you know. Uh, we had reds and we had blacks, we had uh, uh, dark blues with the muscles and the, the screaming corn, you know. Just one of these appetisers you just want to just gobble right up. Yeah, it does look good. It, it's interesting I, that it's a bowl, though. Isn't that kind of unique to... Uh, they don't usually do that kind of stuff, right? No, it's usually plates they do and just be sort of stupid wee plastic things but this is a sort of it looks quite deep so it does look as if you could, could get quite a lot for it as I say I mean obviously money doesn't really count in this one I couldn't find a price for it anyway have we seen uh, any pictures it's eight dollars I think but have we seen any pictures of the how it's served in uh in the in the actual festival I think has the festival started I guess it hadn't it's tomorrow no um, in the media event it was just in a bowl as you said it was just uh a white sort of container. And yeah. I think a lot of the, the stuff, I think it would be actually quite good if you had some sort of bread along with it as well. Because uh, with that amount of seafood, you would you think that just at the bottom of it, you know, just to dunk that up with some bread, just to, oh, my mouth's going just now. I mean, I know it's... <laughs> 
I know. How excited you are! It's awesome. I know. It's half past one in the morning here. It's time for some tea, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this looks—it's a massive serving. I, I'm just trying to figure out how this is going to be served. I mean, it's—you know—it's usually it's—we all know this. It's usually the small uh, bites, and this is a definitely a very hearty dish. It looks awesome, though. Yeah, I agree. And for full disclosure, you know, I'll let you guys, all our wonderful friends and listeners behind the curtain. Um, it's about 825 here on, on the East Coast um, on the 3rd of March. So it's the day before the festival actually begins. When this actually goes out, it will be next week. So the festival will be going for about a week strong or so. Tomorrow's also the official opening of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Pretty exciting for that, too. Um, so that's why, you know, if we don't give you prices and things of that nature, because you know, there. Jeff obviously said it was about eight bucks, so he found the magic, um, the magic website that has all the prices. I really didn't find them, um, so that's where we're at. So, but uh, Stephen, I agree with you 100%. You know, if I like seafood, this is where I would go. Um, this is one of the new booths this year. This is not something that was here um, in the past, so it does seem interesting. I, I know our buddy uh, John from WDW Main Street. They were talking about this last week or the week before, and this is right where he would go. Um, this is, you know, Southern food at its best, so he was pretty excited about this booth as well. All right, Jeff, where are you going for your first pick in your or in this snack crawl? Well, we don't have to walk very far. I'm going to go ahead and stay at the Magnolia Terrace. There you uh, go. Yeah, this, this whole uh, booth, I was looking over the menu. It basically, to me, this feels like Houston because... Houston's kind of the melting pot of the South as far as Southern cuisines go. It's uh, a lot of Louisiana um, people move here and uh, a lot of Texas barbecue and, and Tex-Mex. You have Mexican influence. But there's a tons of uh, kind of Cajun Creole influence that I just just love. I eat, eat up to death. And like Stephen said, that Southern seafood bowl is a good example. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump on this house-made boudin two ways. And so if you're not familiar with boudin, it's it's uh, there's it's kind of like I guess in the in England it's similar to blood sausage, but in uh in the in the Cajun uh creole kind of way they use uh rice instead of like oats or um but anyway, it's it's rice and usually some kind of a, a protein, usually pork, but um, but it can be anything, uh, roadkill, whatever, whatever it fits in the <laughs> sausage. Yeah. It gets ground. You never up. want to ask how the sausage is made. You just exactly. don't want to know. <laughs> you just don't want to know. Um, there, there's definitely, uh, because we, I work in the oil field, um, there's a lot of Louisiana, um, places you have to end up going to over, over the, over the years. And if anybody is headed to Louisiana for any kind of job or trip, uh, it's common. It's kind of common courtesy to stop by a couple of these famous boudin places and grab some up and bring it back for the rest of us. So uh, it's good stuff. This this particular one it says two ways. So one of them is a uh, fried boudin ball, um, and the other one is a straight up uh, boudin sausage. So um, man, I just my mouth's watering thinking about that stuff. It's so good. I'm so glad you got this because I wanted to choose this 
but um, you'll see when I when I go, I went in a different direction. Uh, a buddy of mine from actually Louisiana, when I met up with him a few years ago, actually brought like homemade boudin, um, and it was so good. Yeah. So yeah, guys, it's not one of the things I always like about the festivals in general is that these portions aren't huge, and if you want to be adventurous, you can. And I think this is one of those maybe one of the booths that you could really try something um, and be a little bit adventurous and be and, and get the boudin, which, you know, is a is kind of like a sausage. And if you hate it, then don't worry about it. You're not going to lose a thousand dollars, but it is. Do you have a good chance of actually really liking it? One good thing about that is obviously coming from the UK across, I do the dining plan a lot and all of these things are on this, like, as I say, a snack crawl, but as a snack credit, you know, so it's even better for ourselves. So if you don't like something, it's not going to be a major out-of-pocket thing. It will be a snack credit, but by the time you actually finish your holiday, you've usually got about 20 of them left anyway, so it doesn't make much <laughs> of a difference. <laughs> Beautiful. That is awesome. All right, Joe, what are you getting? Oh, yes, I had zero interest in either of those, so, uh, <laughs> so you guys wow. can enjoy that. I'm not a seafood guy, and... Yeah, I don't want to know how the sausage is made. But so while <laughs> while my Mickey Duke brethren are there enjoying uh, all of what uh, Magnolia Terrace has to offer, I'm going to stroll on over to the Citrus Blossom and have something a little more uh, that agrees with my palate. I'm going to hit up the Crispy Citrus Chicken with Orange Aioli and Baby Greens. Uh, it's five seventy-five for anybody who is uh, inquiring about the price. It's gluten-free, and it is Disney Dining Plan uh, snack eligible. Um, the reason why is... Thank God my wife doesn't really listen to the show. I love mayo, as known as aioli, and an orange aioli sounds very interesting. And just crispy chicken sounds like something, uh, or citrus chicken sounds kind of fresh, kind of uh, you know, something you wouldn't normally eat. It doesn't sound like greasy fried chicken, but it sounds kind of light and refreshing. So uh, that's why I would give this one a shot. Unfortunately, I'm not as adventurous as you guys are just reporting out with trying new things. Um, but this is something that's in my wheelhouse, and I would definitely enjoy if I was on vacation. I, I think it's a good it's a good choice. And I love the fact that we've gotten into the society where we can't call it an orange mayo. It's got to be orange aioli just to make it sound fancy. I know aioli is a tad different. There is a difference. I get it. Yeah, but, basically, but, but basically it's mayo. And, you know, but, but when you hear aioli, you're like, ooh, that's fancy. When you hear mayo, eh, whatever. Not a big deal. It's mayo. <laughs> <laughs> Completely mayo. So that's you know I I like it and hey and same thing with I with you Joe you know not for the non-adventurous either there's plenty for them too Absolutely. and I think again whether it's food and wine whether it's festival of the arts whether it's flower and garden there's always um, something to go with so what I did for mine is I kind of went with just I went off the complete different and off the beaten path and went in a different direction and I went with the kind of like I was gonna go more like vegetables and maybe no meats and things of that nature. And I've never done this before, um, but I just said, hey, let me give it a shot. So the first stop, I'm going to the Honey Bistro, hosted by the National Honey Board. This is a great, I loved going to this um, booth last year. They had a lot of interesting things, but I chose the roasted cauliflower with buckwheat honey carrot puree, wild rice pilaf, asparagus, honey blistered grapes, sunflower brittle, and coriander flowers. Now, according to the Disney website, it is gluten-free. And then there's a KA for kid-approved. I don't know what kids they're actually talking to, which <laughs> kids they, they said, hey, take this survey. I do not know many kids that are eating roasted cauliflower with a buckwheat honey carrot puree. 
But hey, they must they must have they must have found that one kid. Hey, kid, you like it? Great. It's kid approved. I just I don't I don't understand. But hey, (laughs) I love I love cauliflower. I'm a big honey fan. So, you know, I said this might be an interesting thing to choose. That is one of the ones that I, I thought of. I'm very, very interested. There's a big sort of kick across here for sort of roasted cauliflower and sort of cauliflower steaks at the moment, I think. Obviously, with the, the sort of vegan and vegetarian kick, you know, going very strong. But depending on what you put on the cauliflower, I'm not sure it'll just take on whatever taste that you put on top of it. But uh, some of the roasted cauliflowers, they do look as really really tasty you know i agree and i think disney's doing a great job lately stepping up their vegan their vegetarian game um there's a lot of new op- there's a lot of new options out there not just in disney but everywhere and you know from the different bloggers or vloggers and different people that we we talk to or listen to you know they're trying different things and from what we hear disney's doing a pretty good job with it so i think you know again adventurous give something a try um, you know, you may, may always be a meat eater, but you're going to may, maybe need to find a meat substitute, get a little healthier, uh, things of that nature. But I, like I said, I love cauliflower. So that's why I went with it. Steven, uh, where are you going with number two on your snack crawl? Yeah, well, I'm going to just absolutely do this in. So it's Jardin de Festas. That was so, pretty good. Well said. Uh, I don't know. Spanish is not my forte, you know. Wait, is, it, uh, wait, is, is, is English your forte? Yeah, I wouldn't have known, Stephen. I mean, you'd be fooled. I mean, I was speaking to Jillian about this the other night on the way home, and I was telling her what what picks I had, and she said, "For God's sake, Stephen, it says at least pick something you can actually say rather than." (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can just walk up to the booth and point to it. (laughs) Right. I'll I'll have that one, please. You know. (laughs) Uh, So it's a, a. Chili, chili keys, chili C H I L E Q U I L E S, chili keys de polo, which is chipotle braised chicken with tortillas served with salsa ranchera, Monterey Jack cheese, crema mexicana, and a, a jalio cheese. The only bad thing about this, I'm not too keen of with chicken and cheese. Uh, they do hunter's chicken across here. I don't know if they do that across there. It's uh, chicken with uh, cheese on top of the barbecue sauce on top of that as well. It's not the best sort of thing. It uh, smells a wee bit. I think with the chicken and the cheese, it uh, <laughs> sort of puts me off a bit. But th- this sounds really good. I mean, I like the idea of the 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 chipotle. I really like that sort of sauce with anything, especially with obviously when you get tortillas as well and. You can really have a bit of a crunch to go along with it. So uh, I think this is maybe over towards uh, the Mexican side of Epcot. Uh, but it's definitely something that I would have. Maybe a way a chaser of uh, tequila. There you go. Smart man there. Um, yeah, obviously, because if you don't like it, you just chase it with the tequila. You can't taste it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and again, this I think this is, I think, in a lot of people's wheelhouse, um, go into the Mexican um, flavors. A lot of people will enjoy this. Again, with the chipotle braised chicken and tortillas served with the salsa ranchera, that, you know, it sounds really good. 
you know, I would definitely, I would definitely do it. Um, I think it's really a, a safe bet, and it's you know, the guajillo cheese just to sound fancy. I like it. I like okay, it a lot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> Jeff, where are you going with number two? So I, I feel like I to do it right. I need to do some uh, Florida representation, and and uh, it's hard to pass up this citrus blossom booth uh it's well represented by the uh the famous uh orange bird uh which is obviously representation of the best one of the best snacks at disney world ever is yes uh, amen sir amen yeah, yeah that's right citrus world is the, the way to go um but <laughs> really i'm just i'm not even saying that. god dave's not on the show <laughs> <laughs> right and so I'm over there, and I just, just tantalized my taste buds, the idea of this uh, tuna tataki bowl. Um, it has a spicy uzu glaze, a mango with avocado, and a papadam crisp. Uh, basically, just like a nice little light, uh, little snack transition. Um, I think it's $6.25. Yeah. Uh, maybe... Maybe because uh, I generally go to these festivals and, and eat really bad. Maybe I'm starting to feel guilty because I'm diving into this tuna. But, but man, it looks it looks really good. Uh, I haven't had dinner either, so that's probably another factor. But, <laughs> but man, uh, th- they are they are killing it with some of these dishes. I'm I'm really impressed. I think um, one of the with a tuna tataki bowl. I think that's it'd be light and refreshing. So I think that's another thing when you're looking and you're going through these booths. You really do have to balance it. You can't just go heavy, 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 heavy. And, uh, you know, a dish like this is a nice way to lighten it up and, um, you know, get, give your body a little bit of a rest from carbs and, you know, and maybe something that's a little bit fried or too heavy. So I think it's a really good call. But you were talking about the orange bird and snacks. But, hey, that gets me to thinking we have a top 11 show coming up. So I'm not going to tell you when. I know it's just it's a little teaser. But it's coming real soon, and it's on um, our top 11 classic Disney snacks. So be on the lookout for it. It should be out in the next couple of weeks. Oh, I just gave it away. Dang it! Well, you know, you know, Pat, a certain host of a certain podcast that we are all on actually left it off the original list until a certain other person who lives in the Commonwealth of Virginia right now brought it up to that co-host. So. You're, yeah, I, I just I think that person that lives in the Commonwealth of Virginia is pretty pretty awesome, and that's why you're going to go next that's and right. continue with your awesome self. But speaking of awesomeness, Pat, I just want to let you know that we are looking at the same website when we're going over these, and I, for the love of God, cannot figure out what KA meant. So thank you for letting me know what meant kid approved because <laughs> I'm like, it's okay, it's not gluten free. What the heck does this KA mean? So thank you for shedding some light on that. You're very uh, but speaking of homes, I'm going to give show some love to my other home, which is the Sunshine State. And uh, something a little lighter, since Pat was just speaking about always having heavy food uh, at the uh, at the festivals for the food booth. So I'm going to go with a little key lime tart with a little toasted merengue. Uh, I'm going to have a little sweets in the middle of the day, but key lime pie, key lime tarts, anything key lime in the state of Florida is fantastic. Um Lime is actually a flavor I've grown to love as I've gotten older. As a kid, I wasn't really a big fan of it. You know, that was like, oh, t- you know, lime no good, right? So, yeah, now lime good. So, love it. Anything get my hands on. <laughs> key lime pie, key lime tarts, I'm like all over it. So, yeah, I'm going to key lime tart at the Florida Fresh booth. Hey, Joe, I, I'm going to tell you how awesome you are. That was my next pick as well. Oh, and Sorry, man. So, 
No, that's quite all right. I'll, I'll buy you one, all right? I'll treat you to one. So. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Um, no, but I, again, the same kind of thing. Uh, palate cleanser. It's something uh, refreshing right in the middle of the day. I, I don't think you have to be the type of person that says, hey, I got to eat, eat something and then have dessert at the end. You see something like this at a booth as you're going, the line's short, you jump in there and get it. Um, I went on a trip once. I, we went down to Key West and I had um, key lime pie from there. And it is what I've had key lime pie all over the East Coast. And, and the key lime pie in Key West was by far the best I've ever had. I don't know if it was just me being there that made it better or it legitimately tasted better. I really don't know. So my guess, my, my whole thought process was, hey, I'm in Florida. It's as close to Key West as I'm going to get from, say, Connecticut or Jersey or even through from Virginia. So I was like, let me give it a shot. I'm sure it'll be good. Even to me, even bad key lime tarts or key lime pies is good for me. So I'm good. I think it's an awesome choice. And so I can't complain. So in any way, shape or form. So you keep your awesomeness and you could buy me that and a prime rib dinner over at, at Sarah's Club. Toga. That's there we right. go. That's right. <laughs> Steven, give me your third and final snack before you have to get and you want to get a wonderful Joffrey's beverage. Yep. So back to the fish, I'm afraid. So I'm going to go to the Hamani stall this time. I said maybe a, more like a Hawaiian side dish, I would say, or maybe Hawaiian stall. Uh, so it's salmon flour akura, which is fresh cut salmon, salmon roe, spinach, watermelon radish, and chilled ramen tossed with a pokey sauce. And Julian said to me, it's the only reason I picked pokey sauce is because <laughs> so I can go Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> but that really does sound really, really fresh. I mean, obviously the watermelon radish, this is in the chilled ramen, it's... It's back to what I, had, I did with the, the sort of seafood boil sort of thing. It's, it's more like a soup, you know, rather than anything else. Love salmon. The roe on top of that would just, you know, bring out the even more fishy sort of flavour to it. Uh, it just it is a very, very light, light dish. And I think a lot of these are. I mean, obviously, you've, you've got a couple of sort of heavier ones, you know, with beef uh, and lamb, you know, with some of the other stalls. But... I think if you're going to be trying a lot of these dishes around the world, that it's better to keep it like light, fresh, you know, so that basically you can eat more. <laughs> There's no point in having, you know, something that's going to weigh you down after maybe your second dish. So it's just something that salmon is something I really, really like anyway. Uh, but it sounds really like a, a cooler dish. You know, rather than, you know, something that's just going to come straight out of the fryer or the grill. Yeah, these, these dishes seem bigger and bigger. I mean, <laughs> we just yeah, went to the yeah. we went, went to the Festival of Arts uh, a couple weeks ago, and they were all these, like, cute little things, you know, and these are huge, hearty dishes. Yeah, that's maybe one of the reasons why I picked them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's one thing I you can't pay you cannot pay me to go to this festival and eat salmon. Salmon is one of those weird things. I will eat it raw all day long. I love it in the sushi form, um, sashimi form, anything along those lines. I hate it cooked. It's the dumbest thing. It makes no sense to me. 
but for anybody that knows me, it makes perfect sense because I'm an idiot. So it's really, just, you know, not that big just deal. Just the way it flakes off. You know, you, you, oh, you cook it and it gross. just flakes off. Oh, oh, lovely. It's true. It's it's, it, my, my wife my wife yells at me all the time because she she thinks i'm stupid when it comes to that i i like fish you know for the most part um especially if it's a flaky fish like a white fish and it just flakes off and but once it's pink and salmon i yeah it's just i'm weird I but know. here's the thing we're getting uh steven's in the uh salmon central over there i mean oh yes got his salmon here you know yeah. it's definitely the best in the world right so that that maybe maybe swing us, uh, Pat, if we were over there and getting some of the good stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that must be it. Yeah, I'm getting we get the cruddy cruddy stuff over here. So yeah, the I'm farm going to Scotland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that. All right, Jeff, where are you going for your last one before our Joffreys? So, uh, I definitely had it finished with some something sweet, but um, over at the refreshment port, uh, which I, it's always kind of odd. I mean, it's it's. Uh, the transition into the World Showcase uh, location. But for all these festivals, they tend to have one or two dishes. I actually had to hunt this one down because I saw it on on uh, Tim Tracker's blog. I actually texted him about it, but he, um, it's a Popsicle Trio. And uh, yeah, you see that? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, definitely, it looks great. It looks amazing. And I thought for sure it was going to be one of those things where you just get one of those. And that's what it would have been at the Festival of the Arts. And no, you get all three of them. So uh, I'm pretty pretty flabbergasted. So it's a honeydew popsicle, a raspberry mint, and a coconut lime. And they all three have a different kind of sprinkle on it. I, they don't have any details of what the sprinkles are where I'm, where I'm at. But uh, uh, like one has a little spicy... Uh, sprinkle on it one has i think uh pistachio um anyway they look pretty freaking cool now this mind you i've been to this uh the uh, uh flower and garden festival uh, as long as i can remember um we usually try to catch the very last weekend it's usually our like our very first summer the beginning of our summer trip so it's super sweltering hot. I, I don't know how well these little <laughs> uh, popsicles are going to handle uh, the heat, but uh, there it is, man. That's that's what I'm ending on. That's right. You just need to get the bowl from Steven so you could, you know, after he's done <laughs> with it, so you can, you as they melt, you can just scoop it in there. It'd be no big deal. Right. I, you know, the, the, the picture looks amazing. It does. It, I think it would be great. It'd be refreshing. And I think the flavors, the honeydew, the raspberry mint, and the coconut lime, they're different, and I think they're exciting. I think it's a very cool combination. Um, so I think something that is worth a try, definitely, especially something that, you know, if you want something sweet and a way to beat the heat. So great choice there, Jeff. That Joe, where are we going? I was, was, oh, go, go was going to mention that. If somebody hadn't mentioned that, I was going to do it as an honorable mention because they do look something that's totally out of the ordinary yeah. in relation to what you would get at one of the festivals. Right. I'm really glad you didn't go with the fried green tomatoes with blue, blue crab fennel salad. Um, that's just, that's not, that's so not as cool as the popsicle trio. All right. Because when you said refreshment pour, I said, oh, I don't know where he's going with this one. All right. <laughs> Joe, what's your last one before Joffrey's? All right. I'm going backwards here. I had dessert in the middle of the day. Now I'm going back for, uh, I guess there's a theme. I guess I really like chicken lately. So I'm going back to the, uh, the honey bistro presented by the <laughs> National Honey Board. <laughs> Come on, I mean, that doesn't get old saying that. And they've sponsored it a bunch of years in a row, so I like picking from them. But uh, I'm going to pick a honey tandoori chicken flatbread. 
with white cheddar cheese, charred vegetable, clover, honey, sour cream, and micro citrus greens. It's five seventy five. It's Disney dining plan snack eligible. Um, I'm not a big flatbread guy, right? I mean, if I'm gonna eat kind of pizza, I'm gonna eat pizza. I'm from Jersey, right? So I want a slice of pizza. But I don't know. I like sour cream. I like the tandoori chicken's pretty good. I've kind of got been turned on to that since I've been going to Disney because it's kind of like a, I guess like a Animal Kingdom kind of thing. You see that over at like the Animal Kingdom Lodge a lot. Um, yeah, it just sounded good. It sounded different. So uh, with the with the honey too on it. Um, just sound like something different that I would, like I said, this would be maybe I would, I would venture out a little bit. Say, I'll try a little, little bit of flatbread. So you're not committing to a whole giant flatbread. And if it stinks, you're like, oh, I wasted that. It's a little, <laughs> little taste if you like it. So that's where I'm going with. I'm going to finish out with a little light flatbread. Yeah, if it stinks like Jersey pizza. Yeah, exactly. I understand. Oh, yeah, I'm from Connecticut. Like, we're known I, for anything. I'm, I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm just saying the one thing. Are you, Jersey's governor and Connecticut's governor just got into, like, a Twitter battle last uh, a couple weeks ago about who has the best pizza. Look up just about any top 100 you will see, okay? Pepe's Pizza in New Haven, Connecticut as the number one Well, that is Fairfield, in- that is Fairfield County, Connecticut, right? So that's kind of like part of the tri-state area, right? So no, Well, no. There's a Pepe's in Fairfield County, but this one happens to be in New Haven a little bit farther. A little further. Not much. A little further up 95, all right. So. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly. But it's you know it's right, right near Yale. But that, that area of Connecticut, you have Pepe's, you have Sally, you have Modern. You will find them usually in your top 25, all three of them. So I don't want to talk about Jersey pizza. I will say this, Pat, though. I will say this. I did go as a Connecticut guy. And actually, my mom was born and bred in Connecticut. I think she was born in Mass, but grew up in Connecticut. Anyway, there is a barbecue joint in downtown Hartford that has the best like barbecue. I know, I know we got a Texan on the show with us, but seriously, for the Northeast barbecue, dude, this place was, I forgot what the hell the name of the place was. I just, I just said, anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, we just I'll, lost our rating. Thanks. I'll have to edit that out. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I am editing the show. but there is a, a barbecue joint in downtown Hartford. That is absolutely amazing. Like everybody who works in the insurance industry in downtown Hartford was at this joint during lunch hours. And we used to go up there for work. Seriously, the best barbecue I've had like in the Northeast. So, you know what? You, you might find something, a jewel here and there in Connecticut. So, you know yeah, what? Because the, because the rest of Connecticut sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. See, I, when you and Dave would always go into the battles about the tri-state area, Connecticut, yeah, this Connecticut boy didn't say too much because if I can move today, I would. Um, speaking of moving, I'm going to go on and move on to my last one. And I'm going to the trial and trellis hosted by Impossible Foods, keeping uh, my idea going of kind of staying away from the meat. And I went with the Impossible, this is the trademark brand, um, farmhouse meatball with lentil bread, spinach, marinated vegetables, and creamy herb dressing. There is a PB designation, which is not for peanut butter. It is for plant-based. So again, like we said before, Disney, I think, has really upped their game with the um, non-meat options here. If you've never had Impossible burgers um, or Impossible meat substitutes, um, my oldest um, is a vegetarian, so we have them in the house often. Um, it, they're really good. I, you know, I don't care what people say; they're not meat. Um, the Impossible Whopper that people are talking about—it does not taste just like a Whopper. There, people that say that are lying, and they just make the commercials look good. But if you want something that tastes good, it, it's, it tastes good. It's just—it's not meat. It's not going to taste just like a meatball. Um, but you know, it is a it taste of its own, and you know, I think. Um, it's it's really good. So that's where I ended my non-meat exploits of the Flower and Garden Festival. What's nice. the consistency like of them? I mean, is it the consistency like eating in a, uh, like a burger or is it totally different? I've never, it's, never had a 
an impossible burger or a vegetarian it, burger it, before? It's close. Um, it's just it's not spot on, but it, it is it is pretty close. You know, if you took a bite of it and you were blindfolded, you would think you were eating meat. It's close enough to you know to do that. But if you yeah. you can, the taste itself is going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, but or you're going to say, oh, this is a meat that I may never have had before. So maybe it's you know venison or, or bison or you know something different that you may not have had you may be able to pull that off um but you know it's close enough where you're not gonna you're not gonna cry over it well <laughs> side side story so i um we we do chili cook-offs occasionally in texas it's a texas thing i guess um <laughs> wait wait is texas is texas beans or no beans um i put beans in mine so it didn't really matter to me but, oh okay yeah texas is no beans usually <laughs> But um, anyway, the I decided in our chili cook-off um, to uh, I like to to whip up weird things and learn, trying to do new stuff in the kitchen. Anyway, the um, I set out to do like uh, a vegan, a hundred percent vegan chili, um, Texas chili style. Keep in mind, chili is my favorite food, so it's really close to my heart. I mean, so doing this was a really harsh challenge for me, but. Um, but I use that Beyond Meat. Um, you can get it at Target and uh, other places. But um, anyway, the Beyond Meat. Uh, it ended up. I ended up doing some some trickery that made it. Uh, I came in sixth. So sixth place in a freaking Texas chili cook-off in Texas. I thought that was pretty. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty good. phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. And and I was up front with everybody to let them know. You know, it's 100% vegan. So I had to be real creative. But what I was going to bring up was uh, because of this, uh, it's a public cook-off, uh, you have to put a, uh, ingredients list on your table in case there's some allergies and whatnot. Oh, my gosh. The ingredients list to this Beyond Meat is like 40 ingredients. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, I'm sure Impossible uh, Meat is very similar. <laughs> like all kinds of crazy, crazy yep. scientific witchcraft. Yeah, that's the thing. People are like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a better alternative to meat. But then you look at all the ingredients, you're like, oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah I don't know. But <laughs> hey, you know, it is what it is. All right. right. Um, so I think it's time for my personal favorite part of any festival, and that is getting a, a drink from Joffrey's. So Joffrey's this year does have, for the uh, Flower and Garden Festival, does have four different drinks. Um, if we don't get to all four, whichever one we do not, or whichever one we don't talk about, I will obviously bring them all up to make sure that our fine listeners are aware of all our Joffrey's drinks. So, Stephen, out of the four, which one did you choose to round off your meals? Very much a rum drinker uh, myself, so I'm going to the American Pavilion. Uh, I'll be the, the tropical breeze that I'm having, which is a frozen lemon, coconut syrup, and pineapple rum. I mean, pineapple rum. Never heard of that before. It's something that I would, I would just dive into a vat of. I think and just go for a <laughs> swim. Again, you know that there's four fantastic side drinks that Joffrey's are offering just now at the, the Flower and Garden. But that's the one that really jumps out at me, and it's right in the middle of uh, World Showcase as well. So you don't have to travel right or wait to maybe go to the end to get to it. Uh, but it's lovely. I mean, it's coconut as well. It just would highlight the pineapple really, really well. I just think that's definitely the one that I would maybe have a couple of uh, if I was to go there this time. 
yeah, you, it's fine. Have a couple, have two, three, four, no big deal. And that's a, that's a great one to choose, you know. And it's, I think personally, this was probably, um, I, nah, I would say, the safest one with the lemon, the coconut, and the pineapple. I think that's your, your tropical drinks. It's very, very familiar to um, something like that. So I think it's a great choice. Jeff, how about you? Oh, I'm definitely going to go to the Port of Entry coffee cart. Uh, they're having the passion flower, which is frozen passion fruit and tea infused with lemon vodka. Uh, I thought the the whole idea of uh, doing the tea mixed in there was a uh, really creative. Uh, so, and in passion fruit, it's just a cool flavor that I just dig a lot. So, um, man, I'm excited to try one of these. <laughs> And, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of the uh, our listeners and friends may not be aware of. And I said it on a few shows back, you know, Joffrey's has amazing coffee, which we all know. But Joffrey's, Joffrey's also has amazing selection of tea. And, you know, they will do, you know, we've been down into Disney Springs uh, where tea, you know, it's tea traders. And, you know, you can get a lot of these drinks uh, mixed with tea or with vodka or things of that nature. And they brought one of these concoctions to Flower and Garden. I think it's a great mix. Joe, what are you going? Where are you getting? All right. First of all, I just want to clarify a uh, Bears Smokehouse in downtown Hartford, Pat. So if you're nice. in town, check it out. Right. Uh, <laughs> I had to look that one up. Uh, but I'm going to head over uh, past all the construction walls and head over to Future World East. And uh, I'm going to head up the Spring Berry Bliss, which is a frozen strawberry and coconut syrup topped with raspberry vodka. Um, like I've said in many shows before, anything but coconut, I'm a sucker yep. for it. So, and actually, Stephen had chosen my first one, the Tropical Breeze, but this was not a, consol- uh, a consolation prize at all. This was definitely between the one or the, between the two of these. So, yeah, uh, this was just a perfect uh, substitute. So, yeah, strawberry, coconut, strawberry, frozen strawberry, coconut syrup, top of raspberry vodka. Sounds refreshing. A great way to finish the day. Joffrey's coffee and tea's got awesome stuff. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm going with. And then I'm going to round it off and go on right near Canada, and I'm going to get the orange splash, which is a frozen lemon mixed with orange vodka. Um, I am actually a big orange vodka fan, um, so this one actually was something I would choose. So it is actually a, to me, there's a nice picture of, uh, in my, I can picture it in my hand, nice orange sipping, people watching, and being pretty happy. So, gents, I think we had a nice little tour of, the International Flower and Garden Festival over at Epcot. Now, of course, we can't get to all 16 booths. We can't eat them all. We can try, but I really don't think we're going to be able to do it. But I think we gave our friends and our listeners a good overview. But let us know over on Twitter, um, on Instagram, over on Facebook, any of our socials, what you might want to get at the International Epcot, Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. Holy cow. Um, and let, let us know so we could have a nice conversation with them. So speaking of socials, Stephen, where could everybody find you? Yeah, you can get me on Twitter at SJMDisney, and you can get me on Instagram at the same one. Jeff? BrainDud92 on Twitter and just plain brain D-E-W-Do on Instagram. Joe? Uh, on Twitter, Joe Quad, Instagram, same thing, Joe Quad. You can also find me over at the resortloop.com DVC roundtable. And, well, I guess, when is this show going out? The following week? Yeah, it should be two weeks. Uh, I was going to say, look for me at Daytona Bike Week this past, this weekend. But the show, I will already be, I've gone to Bike Week, and uh, the show will, will already be aired afterwards. So, scratch that. So, uh, yeah. But maybe somebody will see you at Daytona Bike maybe, Week. And maybe, maybe I will. Maybe like uh, predicted it. 
Exactly. Maybe I'll just edit that out too. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> um, you can find me at Daily Walt Disney on Twitter, and you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook, uh, Pat Giannetti. You can find us all at the Mickey Dudes on the socials. Just look us up. You could find us there pretty easily. Let us know what you think of the show. And guys, do us a favor. We don't ask for this often, but um, leave us a review over on iTunes. It gets um, people, gets our show up there so more and more people can find it so we can, you know, uh, get the word out. That would be greatly appreciated. So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, we think about Disney. Let us be your weekly fix. Until next time. You've just listened to another exciting episode at the Mickey Dudes Podcast. You can find the Mickey Dudes on Facebook at the Mickey Dudes Podcast and on Twitter at the Mickey Dudes. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share the love on Stitcher or iTunes. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again real soon.